to Contemplate, a Bible teaching ministry of Pastor David Robinson and brought to you by Acts Church. Today we're beginning several episodes on marriage and relationships. This is a topic that we all think about and probably struggle with a lot more than we'd like to admit. So what's it all about? Here's Pastor David with today's episode recorded live at Acts Church. God made us for relationship. That's why we search for it on Google. That's why we're on Facebook. That's why we're in social media. That's why we're on dating websites. That's why we watch romantic comedies. Guys, we watch them because our wives make us. But that's why girls watch romantic comedies. I like them sometimes. But anyway, that's why we do it. Because God made us for relationship. Okay, it's the most important thing, our friendships, our marriages, our relationship with our families, our kids, our parents, whoever it is, those are the things that, that make life, that drive life. Why do we, why, let's talk about why. Why are relationships so important to us? What, what does the Bible say? What does God say about that? First, we have to understand something about who God is. So we're sort of going to start here at the beginning. Who is God and why? What is it about God that makes us need relationships in this way. First, God is love. God is love. And God is in love and has been in love from all eternity past. That's who God is, okay? Now, love flows from his character. It's part of his essence, Okay, we would call it, if we wanted to speak Latin and sound arrogant, we'd call it a sine qua non, a without which not. No love, no God. God is love. Okay, it is, it is literally who he is, and it flows from everything and everything that he does. Okay, 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And the person who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Right in the middle of the the verse there, it says, God is love. You've got to understand that, and, and, and you've got to sink that in right now, up front, as we start this series. You've got to sink it in that God is love. You've got to understand that it is who he is. Now, how is it possible, you might ask yourself, how is it possible that God is love because we came around maybe relatively recently, and so who's God loving? Where, where, how could he be loved? Who is he, who is he loving? And that's where we have to understand something. First, let's, let's look at what God says when he first makes humans. Genesis 1, verse 26, he says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. He says, us and our. Now, are there a bunch of gods? No. I've probably told you many times, there's one. There's one God. But here's where we have to get into something uh, that's, that's important to understand as you, as you become a follower of Christ, as you walk with Christ. God is a trinity, okay? God is a trinity. It's a concept that we can make really complicated, but it's actually less complicated than I think some of us try to make it sometimes, But here's the deal, and we're not going to go deep into it, but God is one in three persons. One essence, okay? Three persons. That's who God is. How do we know that? 
1 John 5, 7. Here's what it says. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Okay? The Bible is very clear that God is one God in three persons. We're not going to delve, like I said, super deep into the Trinity, but it's important that you understand that because when you understand that, you will understand how God has always been love and in love. Always been love and in love. God is in a relationship with, the, with himself, with the persons of the Trinity. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Father loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. The Son loves the Spirit, and so on and so forth. They are in a relationship of absolute love and submission at all times, for all eternity. That is his existence. His, his being is love and being in love. Okay, here's an example uh, from Jesus in John 15, 10. He says this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So here's Jesus, who is God, talking about the Father, who is God, that he's one with and yet submitting to and in, and in a love relationship with, abiding in the love of the Father. This is the eternal Godhead. Love. Love. Now, back to us for a second. He's created us in his image and likeness. He creates us, he created us, he created humans to be in relationship with him. The first thing that we need to recognize, the first relationship for human beings is the relationship between us and God. That's the first relationship, okay? John, uh, 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love him because he first loved us, okay? Get this clear in your minds and in your hearts. God made us to love, that he could love us. Our love, as it says in the verse I just read, is a response. It's the response that we ought to have to the perfect, amazing love of our creator and the one who loves us. Our response is to love him back. We actually weren't created, as I think some people who take a dim view of, of religion and of life and of Christianity and so on, think more like we were created, we were created to love and serve God. That's not, that's not the right order. We were created for him to love us. The proper response is for us to love and serve him. It's second. He didn't create. He did not create us as some race of slaves. He's not chained you down with a bunch of rules for no reason. Everything that he does is out of love. He created us to love us. We love him back as a proper and fitting response to his love. First relationship. That's the first relationship, okay? Now, you got relationship number one, you and God, human and God. Number one relationship, okay? A response to his love, which is really very good news. The creator of the universe, the guy who makes stars, galaxies, Mars, he wants to have a relationship with you. He, in fact, created you. He has, has always loved you. That's a pretty amazing thing. Your response is to love him back. First relationship. Second relationship. Relationship number two. Let's read Genesis 2, 18. It says this. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. 
I will make him a helper comparable to him. So, God, acting out of his character of love, out of the essence of who he is, of love, wanted man to have a relationship with someone who was equal to him, someone who was like him, okay? Because he loved man. He saw it wasn't good for him to be alone. So Adam already had the relationship with God. He already had that relationship, but he wanted him to have a companion. He wanted him to have someone he could love in that way. God made all these animals, some of which are very cool, some of which are creepy and scary, but he made all these animals, and none of them was a proper companion for man. None of them. They come up, he's naming them, he's doing his thing, um, and, and none of them fit. None of them was like, yes, this is the person who I can share life and relationship with. None of them. So God made Eve to be Adam's true companion. Okay? Relationship number two, human beings to human beings. Okay? It was God's gift of relationship to us in giving us the gift of relationship with each other. All right, let's recap. God is love. God is love, right? It's part of his essence. It flows from who he is. First thing, God made us to love him. God made us to love him. He loved us first, and our proper response is to love him, right? So he made us so he could love us. In that love that he gives to us, we're to respond in love to him. Then God made us each other so that we could be in relationship with one another, right? So we could have someone who's equal, who's because who's, we're not equal to God, okay? Unless you're all going to create a star or something right here, you're not equal to God. You're, you're, you're not, you're in his image and likeness, but you are not God. But the people around you are equal to you. They're just like you. So we have relationships, God and man, God and other people from the beginning. We have a vertical relationship first, okay? This is the language we're going to use here. A vertical relationship, that's us and God. And we have lateral relationships, that's us and other human beings, okay? Vertical and lateral. And here's what's going to be important. we got to figure out which one comes first. Which one is primary? Which one has priority, okay? Now, you already know the answer I'm going to give you because we're in church, right? The relationship with God is primary. The relationship with God, our love with God, our love for God, his love for us, is the first and most important and essential relationship. Okay? The first, most important, essential relationship, you and God. Okay? This is what Jesus says. Let's look at Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This says that. This is about that. What's first? Love God. Not, yeah, I love God. I believe he exists, and I pray to him when I get a boo-boo. That's not what he's talking about. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. 
You've got to love God with all of your strength. Everything about you has to love God. That's the first thing. You know nothing else about what you're supposed to do, walking around life not knowing what to do. The first thing you need to know is you're supposed to love God in that way. It's the proper response to his love. Second, second, you're to love your neighbor. That's everybody, enemies and friends. That's everybody as yourself. The second flows from the first. If you love God fully, you will love your neighbor as yourself. It's a logical deduction. You will love those who God created and loves if you love God with everything you have. Okay? It just will happen automatically. So it's like, he says, it's like the first. In other words, loving your neighbor is like loving God because if you're loving God, you're going to love your neighbor. One, two. Okay? One and two. Love God, love neighbor. The first and greatest commandment is the first and greatest relationship. The second commandment is the second relationship. Okay? Okay. Love for God is what drives good relationship. It's what drives love for your spouse, for your kids, for your friends, for your boss, for whoever. Your love for God is what drives that relationship. What does Jesus say? Let's look at John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What's he saying? We are to have lateral love, love for each other, because he loved us vertically, right? And If we don't have lateral love for one another, it speaks to whether or not we have vertical love. It's an indication. It's an indication of our vertical love. In other words, the amount of love we show to those who God created and loves shows how much love we have for God. Remember when we talked about faith and we talked about how the fruit is proof of the root? That if we, if we see the thing that we can see is proof of the thing that we can't see. The building standing there, there must be a foundation or it would fall over. The tree is standing there, there must be roots or it would fall over. If you are loving people around you, you claim to be in Christ and you're loving the people around you, it's an indication of where you are with God. If you're not loving the people around you, I'll let you do the math. Well, let's do the math. So I want you to stop and think about that. Every time, this week, every time that you're thinking about holding a grudge, about not forgiving, about saying something to hurt somebody else because they hurt you, I want you to think the love that I'm showing is an indication of where I am with God, where my relationship is with God. It's, it's telling me and everybody else where I am with God. Think about that when you make your decisions. Jesus says to love one another as he has loved us. Now that's a pretty high bar. How has he loved us? The cross where he died for us, where he sacrificed himself for us, is the indicator. We jeered at him. Now I know most of us weren't there. A couple of us look old enough maybe, but most of us weren't there. And weren't actually jeering. But our lives prior to coming to Christ, and for some of you who haven't come to follow Christ yet, you are jeering. 
You are saying me first. You are saying, I don't want to have anything to do with it. We jeered, and yet he still loved us so much that he gave his life for us. That's the kind of love that he showed us. Now, we're supposed to show that kind of love to each other. If Jesus showed us his love by giving his life, I think we can probably show love by doing simple things like holding our tongue, which would probably take care of about half of all the relationship problems in this room and on the earth right now. I think that we can do the small things based on the love that's supposed to be our model in Jesus Christ, right? That's why when we understand that the vertical relationship with God is first and that it drives the second one, this is the most important, this is the second most important, and that if that does not happen, the vertical, this will always be broken. If we understand that, it helps us think through a lot of things. That's why it's, it's backwards to say things like, I'm not ready to go to church yet. My marriage is a mess. Let me get my marriage straightened out, and then I'll come to church and be with God. Totally backwards. Totally backwards. You can't do that first thing that you're saying, fix your marriage, until you get the vertical right. Church is first. Marriage flows from the first relationship being in the right place. We've got to understand that. We'll get nowhere without understanding that. Now, is there evidence that those that, that what the Bible says here is true? Is there evidence that those who truly are seeking to be his disciples are loving one another better, are in better relationships? Is it true? Well, let's see. By the way, it is. Um, but we're going to look at some research. There's an article by a guy named Glenn Stanton, and he, and he did some research. He cites some of the research on these issues that he has. And one of the indicators uh, of whether a relationship is working or is broken is, is divorce, right? Some, sometimes that happens when a relationship breaks, okay? Now, here's some indicators using divorce as the easiest way to see a broken relationship in statistics, a guy named uh, W. Bradford Wilcox, who's a leading sociologist uh, at the University of Virginia, and he's director of the National uh, Marriage Project. He did some research, and this is what he found. Uh, conservative Protestants who regularly attend church are 35% less likely to divorce compared with those who have no affiliation. Conservative Protestants who regularly attend church are 35% less likely to get a divorce than those who have no affiliation. So those couples who are showing one important aspect of being a disciple and a child of Christ, going to church regularly, showing that it's important to their life, they are shown to be substantially less likely to get divorced. Now, the problem is sometimes one is doing that, the other one's not, and you're still going to have the problem. Everybody's got to have that vertical right for the relationship to work right, right? And there are all kinds of other reasons why divorce might happen, but what I'm saying is there's, there's research to indicate that when people are living in a way that shows that they do love God, their relationships are more stable, they're better. There's a lot of research to indicate that, but here's another stat. You ready for this stat? Because this one should give us all pause. I find it to be fascinating. This is what else Wilcox found. Nominally attending conservative Protestants are 20% more likely to divorce compared to secular or people that don't go to church, secular Americans. What is that saying? Did you catch that? Nominal attenders are substantially more likely to get a divorce. Those who show up but don't press in, 
Those who are faking it, those who are on the fence, half in, half out, these people are more likely to divorce. Why is that? I don't know. I'll let you think through that. I think, I think it has something to do with being a divided person. I think it has something to do with hypocrisy. You know, but you, you may want to think about that. If that is you or, or you feel that that's, that might be who you are, you might want to think about if you come, but don't, don't press in. You don't get serious about it. You're actually increasing your chances to have your relationships break. All right. Uh, Professor Scott Stanley, University of Denver, uh, was part of something called the Oklahoma Marriage Study, and he says this. Whether young or old, male or female, low income or not, those who said that they were more religious reported higher average levels of commitment to their partners, higher levels of marital satisfaction, less thinking and talking about divorce, and lower levels of negative interaction. These patterns held true when controlling for such important variables as income, education, and age at first marriage. People who are loving God, people who are serious about their commitment to Christ, have better relationships. Why is that? We already were told that. Our love for God, our vertical, will dictate our lateral. Our vertical will dictate our lateral. In fact, if you look at our lateral, it gives an idea of our vertical. If your relationship with God is not functional, your relationship with other people will be dysfunctional. If your relationship with God is not functional, your relationships with others will be dysfunctional. Okay? If there's dysfunction, the first thing you check, what's my vertical look like? What's my relationship with God look like? Am I responding to him in love as I'm, as I'm receiving his love? Am I responding to him in love? Am I loving him? Am I pressing into him? Am I his disciple? Am I acting like his child? His student? Right? His, is he my father? Am I, am I here? If not, you're unplugged. You're unplugged and nothing's going to work right when it comes to relationship. We need to understand that the thing that's holding us back, the thing that, that makes our relationships not where they need to be, is that we're nominal in our Christianity. Nominal, in name only. Our heart's not following what we're saying, how we're acting. We come in here, we may, we, you may do all kinds of stuff, but if your heart is far from God... That's where the dysfunction is coming in the rest of your life and in your relationships. For some of us, we got we got to decide to press it. we got to decide to get serious. we got to decide. I've asked you, you know, we went through a series and I said, hey, look, what do you believe and then what should you do? That's, that's your moment right now. What do you believe and what should you do? If you believe God loves you, he died on the cross for your sins, that he's done everything for you, it's time to press in to love with him. Because that's the thing that's unplugged in your life. For some of you, your, your first step is just to know him, to choose to initially follow him, to learn who he is. You're in the right place for that. You're walking the right road for that. He's called you here. He's called you to be here with these people, with this teaching, with all that's going on. Here, he's called you to draw you closer to him so that you can have that love, so that you can experience that love, so you can start to truly love God. And then you will see the relationships follow that. Look for the vertical 
Look for the vertical relationship with God because it's what drives the real love. The real love that's in your life is driven by the vertical relationships you have with God. You were made for relationship. So where are you in your relationship with God? Do you have one at all? Well, as we learned today, it's the key to everything. And if we can help you figure this all out, come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church. Get directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org or call us at 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for much more on marriage and relationships here on Contemplate.